Patrick, what is this? What week, by the way, is this for the podcast? Are, are we what? on week like eight that we've been doing it remotely? Nine? In, you mean week uh, in quarantine? Yeah. Uh, so from the 17th, so 17, 20, so nine, I think. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking at this rate, I'll see you in the fall. Like, I, because I just don't think, I mean, what's going on at Fox 5? Do we have any plans to reopen and have every single employee back in the building? Well, like we, we'd like to say, Sarah, we've never been closed. Mm. You know, the, these, these companies okay. that say reopen, uh, we like to call it our re-entry plan. Yep. Okay. So, yes, we do have a plan. Obviously, the dates are very fluid, but we do have a very detailed plan as we bring employees back in different phases, um, depending on their, uh, you know, work area. Um, no, seriously, it's interesting you say that. So I had a few zoom calls yesterday with staff. I had one with the news, uh, anchors, reporters, uh, photographers, and then one with, with uh, some other, uh, departments of the station that, and kind of went through everything that we're setting up inside the station because, what you have to realize is we've already had on any given day, 30 to 40 people uh, throughout the day in the station, Okay, about 100, 150 to 200 out. Well, as more people start entering, not only they're en- entering, so it becomes more, you know, chances of, of cross-contamination and, and people getting closer to other people touching things and so forth. As the cities reopen, then there's more chance that they're out in the public with people and then coming into the building. So it actually gets more complicated. Wow. So, well, when I say reopen, except for freaking Montgomery County, where I live and where the station's moving to, what a disaster. Oh my God. I was going to say, we got a ton to cover. It'll be a pretty local centric show today because there's a lot going on in DC, Maryland, Virginia, but, but uh, I'm sure that's a challenge for you. Yeah, but it because... also, yeah, it's local for sure, but it yeah. also has national implications. Here we are. So Montgomery County, Maryland, adjacent to Washington, D.C., uh, in addition to Prince George's County and Northern Virginia. You know, it's the, the DMV, right. so they say. Uh, everything, the entire region's behind the rest of the country or most of the country, <clears throat> either in terms of the phase they are with reopening right or their numbers and metrics from hospitalizations to death rates to positive cases to uh positivity rate right and i'll I'll get into that in a second so montgomery county maryland one of the most affluent counties in the country um appears to just so so maryland let me step back for a second larry hogan Governor of Maryland, who I believe has done a fantastic job handling this pandemic, very clear communication, uh, clearly was telling the truth, what we're facing, where it's heading, had what appeared to be a very solid plan and specific metrics on when Maryland would enter phase one of reopening. Well, Maryland entered phase one of reopening last Friday. However, he did give, uh, he allowed certain counties to slower, to, 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 to reopen slower than the rest of the state, Montgomery County being one. Okay. 
Well, here's the here's the thing. So Mark Elrich, Elrich is the county exec. Yep. His communication's been terrible. He's answered very few questions. He, the county is not providing specific metrics on where they're at, where they're headed. I mean, th- there's bits and pieces they've provided, but hasn't been clear. Right. Basically, it's we're not ready to open. And then they put out some guidance, again, without real specifics, just criteria, not numbers. Yep. So we got to see cases going, new cases going down, even though we're increased testing. Well, that's idiotic, right? Most jurisdictions in this country are using what's called positivity rate. What they want to see is, as you test more people, is the percent of positives of the new tests drop versus what you've had. So, for example, you know, if up to this point, out of all tests given, 1% is testing positive, well, now that you ramp the testing up, you want to see that number drop to 0.07, 0.05. Got it. Right? Now, if that number stays at 1% or higher, then you got some serious concern. Uh, you know, listen, and again, I am not suggesting that we need to be entering wild, wild west phase right. by any means. But the fact that a county of this affluency is is what appears to be woefully behind even New York City. And then he comes out and says, oh, what we've been doing is making a difference. We need to stay the course. Really? It's making a difference? You're freaking behind. If it was making a difference and working to the degree it should be, you'd be at or ahead of the rest of the state. Right. And I don't hear this densely. He's like, well, we're more densely populated. Bull crap. That has nothing. You know what? Stop with that. Right. The fact is he's afraid to open. The transparency has been terrible. You know, and again, listen, this is the county I live in and this is the county Fox five is moving to. Right. It's a great county. But he's he's been just. Terrible. But wait a minute. Why do you think he is so afraid of laying out a plan and reopening? Well, first of all, listen, I don't want to get into his his thought process. I mean, he may in his mind think he's doing the right thing. Okay. I just happen to seriously disagree with him. I I think you have to give your businesses hope. I think saying we're going to go another two weeks based on what? What science? What? You know, he says, oh, we're following the science. What science? Okay. What are you following? Be specific. Okay. The hospital beds look like they're in good shape. Okay. Yep. The positivity rate is going down. The death total is not, is not growing in any, any way near the same percentage that it was. And then you throw in the fact that, and again, I don't have this number off the top of my head, but almost half, at least 40% of all deaths are long-term care facility related. Right. Okay. So you have to extrapolate those and then really look at the data and say, okay, we could enter phase one. And really what phase one does, it's not a big difference. Right. It gives people hope. It gives businesses hope. It also prevents me who lives in Montgomery County from driving, driving up to Frederick County or out to Calvert County. Right. Or right. Out to- Because I'm wondering if that's their concern, right? Because my understanding is in the state of Maryland, so obviously outside of Montgomery County, is in Maryland, test cases continue to rise. Now, hospitalizations are down. 
you know, the death rates. And, and positivity rate is down. So, and keep in mind, as you test more and the positivity rate drops and the death rate drops, it actually means that it's less of a death sentence, in essence. The mortality rate is dropping. So, you know, you want to test more people. You're going to have you're going to have more positive tests. Sure. By expanding but is, is that rate dropping. And then. You want the percentage, certainly you want the percentage of people who, who pass away from it to drop. And then you have to look at the metrics in terms of, okay, who, who is dying? What age range? What, were their, what was their vulnerabilities? I, I mean, my guess is, and again, I'm completely guesstimating. Yeah, this. we're just, yeah. If you take the nursing home deaths and then add in the deaths in Maryland outside of nursing home or long-term care facilities, but- also people who were, say, 65 or 70 plus. My bet is that it'd be in the 75% range in total. So when you start looking at it that way and you say to yourself, okay, there's always going to be a risk. So there's a a, uh, Montgomery County uh, council member. His name is Evan Glass. Yep, okay. He tweeted something that was so idiotic I want to make sure I have his name right. Uh, hold on one sec. Keep talking. I'll, okay. I'll keep talking. Well, no, so- I, I was looking at our Fox 5, one of our recent stories, because bas- one of the recent stories that Fox 5 put out was, you know, while Governor Larry Hogan moved this week to enter phase one, and I want to make sure I've got the right date on this story. Uh, this was from two days ago on our website. Um Meanwhile, the number of coronavirus cases and deaths continue to rise in Maryland. Officials have reported now 38,000, close to 39,000 coronavirus cases in the state of Maryland as of last Sunday morning, along with almost 2,000 deaths. Now, I know we're talking pretty much focused on Montgomery County, but I don't know, Patrick, those numbers with that, I'm sure that Montgomery County is beginning to think, like, how can they possibly even enter a phase one or phase two? Because... We know people aren't staying home. So if they go to other parts of the state where the death rates and the, I know we're getting more testing, but it is still continuing to rise. I mean, that's kind of a problem. People are going to continue to die. So, so my point was Evan Glass, he, he tweeted something last week, and I want to make sure I have it right. Okay. But he, he said something to the effect, Montgomery County will reopen when we can ensure the health and safety of all residents. I saw that on your on your Twitter. That that might be the most idiotic tweet of all time. Cuz if that's your criteria, you're never going to open. There's risk in everything. And again, I am not comparing to this disease to car accidents like some people are trying to do cuz those aren't contagious. This is contagious. Yeah. And I mean, we've had okay. what? Are we at 90,000 deaths? Getting... 95, almost 95, right? Okay, so this is all just since we started tracking this, what, in February? So, I mean, we've way outpaced the flu, which every, that was sort of back in February. But, but, but Sarah, as we've talked, you got to keep in mind, the goal of the lockdowns or stay-at-homes was to flatten the curve, get the hospitals in better shape in case there was a huge spike and they couldn't handle the flood of patients to the hospital, get the positivity rate down, and get testing up. That's all happened. So why aren't you trying to reopen? Businesses are dying in this county. Okay. Now, Mark Earlrich, who's the county executive, his political beliefs are very socialist in nature. And I'm not suggesting that there's some ulterior motive here by any means. 
But, you know. But what do you think he, yeah, okay. Speculate, because I'm, I'm. Well, I, okay. I, I'm just speculating that like there, there's this hesitation, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not very pro-business. Like the business community has to reopen. It drives the county. It just does. Sure. Sure. You, he could, you could believe it all, all you want. Yes. We want to take care of everybody. We want to be, be the, you know, health and safety and all that stuff, but there's inherent risk in everything. If you're looking for zero cases, zero deaths, that's never going to happen. Certainly not until we get a vaccine. And that's, my ultimate point was, you can't say things have worked when your county's behind the rest of the state. You have to be transparent. The, you owe the businesses and the citizens of this county that have been at home for six to eight weeks. Yeah, yeah, two months See, or more. Here, here, last thing on this, and we can move on. Well, the this is fascinating, thing, though, because... Well, here's my other theory on this. Okay. I think in this region, especially counties like Prince George's in, in Maryland, Montgomery, and Northern Virginia, who have remained and stay at home, even though the rest of their states have moved to phase one, or phase two in some cases in Southern Virginia, I believe, most of these areas have government workers. Yep. Workers who work for white college law firms, lobbying firms, government consulting jobs, they're all still being paid. It's very easy to keep your county. I don't want to say very easy. That's, that's unfair. It's easier okay. to keep your county and stay at home when a larger part of your residents are being paid. However, the businesses are going to get crushed. They're absolutely getting, I mean, two weeks could be, and again, I'm not saying people are going to rush to restaurants. It's not going to happen. Right. But you have to give these restaurants hope. You have to give the, and by the way, who determined what's essential and non-essential? You could go to a pawn shop, but you can't buy books. Uh, yeah, that is, that's okay. been an ongoing li- li- debate. Li- libraries are closed. Yeah. Right? So even that should have been more transparent. What's essential? What's non-essential? Okay, uh, why can't I go into a Walmart or and, and buy groceries, but then also move over and buy a pair of khakis? Yet I can't go into a local clothing store and buy something. Well, fair. I don't know. Is that though? I mean, I feel like Walmart just lucked I, out because they haven't had the gr- the grocery store well, element to it. That's not fair, though. That's not fair. Like, as if I own a small clothing store, I should be able to at least say to myself, "I'm going to only have five people in the store." No one could be in the same aisle. Yeah. Only one person checking out. Let me manage it and let people decide. I also think it's becoming nanny state. And that that bothers me from just from a pure. And keep in mind. I think you have some and, points. And, I just think we live in a, you know, and, litigious and, 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 society. I don't want to so. keep going back to this. I mean, you know, I had major loss in this. Yeah. And I still feel this way. <laughs> so and, and I don't And I'm not saying that gives me more credibility but i do have skin in the game and but i understand that there has to be you have to show more leadership like hogan did and start moving things forward i believe in a county of this size and a county that has uh you know listen people are losing their their life's work their businesses that they've opened it's not fair without giving them specific reasons 
I will be curious to see if the um, not only the pressure that our reporters at Fox 5 are putting on MoCo um, Council, but obviously other news outlets, other, you know, residents. It will be interesting to see if they generate a clearer plan this week or what they do. I think you bring up some good points. I mean, it is so difficult because, you know, now we sort of everybody this herd immunity thing a lot of doctors are saying we don't have any proof of that we don't have any proof that we still don't know is this like the flu are you going to get this every year you got to get a shot it's so hard to know you know so it is a tough call um let's talk let's talk dc though because dc is also getting some heat a harvard research study came out and said that they are way, way, way behind in the number of testing that they should be doing. In fact, they should be doing about 5,800 tests a day. I think they're doing about 1,000. Now, Bowser has, Mayor Bowser has downplayed this significantly. Um, of, cor- of course she has. But, you know, D.C. continues to still be a mess, it seems like. It's a mess. And again, lack of early leadership, lack of, and I, you and I have talked about this multiple times. She did a press con- and I keep going back to it. And again, I'm not saying this is the only reason why DC is struggling, but she did a press conference. It's probably well over a month ago now, six weeks, five weeks. She said something to the effect of, I trust the residents and the citizens of DC to, to self-police social distancing and what we need to stay at home. Because I think the question was from a reporter, and I think it was our... Paul Wagner, our reporter, who said, you know, are you going to enforce it with police? Like if people are gathering and and so forth. And she said no. Well, you know what? That's what happens. Right. Two days later, the fish market fiasco. Two days later after that, the mall fiasco, the, the cherry blossom fiasco, on and on and on. And you know what? Those people, two weeks later, become positive and they spread it. And and listen, D.C. also has some very poor neighborhoods. And I think to me, there's been two big stories in this. OK, the, the the way we locked down our elderly and didn't care about them in this country is tragic. And I think each state should be looking, even if it's from the attorney general level, how nursing homes handled this how they tried to keep their elderly safe in long-term care facilities. It's been horrific. Right. And the, the, the high percentage of African-American positives in cities like D.C. And is that because they uh, don't have access to the same health care? Right. Is it because they are the service workers in many cases who were still out there servicing us? when we're trying to buy things and, you know, early on before the, the, the stay at homes and still to this day in terms of some of the, you know, restaurant chains and other things that remain open, at least from a curbside standpoint, that has to be looked into because the D, the disease itself doesn't attack from what I've read one race versus another race. So the fact that a high percentage of African-American individuals in certain cities i believe chicago also has suffered this in many cities and detroit yep and Detroit. it's terrible so why why is that and you know is it is it the environment is it the the work is it access to health care right but i do believe that needs to be looked into uh i believe the last i looked 77 percent of dc cases are uh to african-american individuals i mean wow that's that's, that's a that's, huge that, that's terrible, terrible. 
So, um, and I believe like the, it's like 50% or they're like only 42% of the population or something like that. So way out, you know, many more positives on a percentage basis than they represent of uh, residents in the district. But I also don't think the mayor's been forceful enough, strong enough, specific enough. Um, you know, they, listen, Trump deserves all a lot of the ripping he's gone for for, the, for his rhetoric. I think the slowness to react in February. We've talked about this. Sure. Yep. Now. Yeah, absolutely. But these city and state leaders deserve as much. Right. I mean, I've talked about it. Cuomo, 6000 nursing home deaths. Yeah. Delayed cleaning the subways was well into March telling people we're going to still have the parades. Right. Um, obviously, the highest number of deaths, the highest percentage of deaths in a state. Right. Um, but yet, you know, you know, he's the one who said the nursing home people have to return. So, you know, yet he's like at an 87 percent approval rate. Why? Because he's good looking, because he's a good orator, because <laughs> his brother's Chris Cuomo. Uh, maybe I'm it's sure a, those factors play in. Yeah, a, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And listen, I, I, I think also the factor is he gets up there and I believe he tells the straight truth. Yeah. But the media has been way too kind to him. Way too kind. I, I want to ask you one other thing about Virginia. We've kind of covered Montgomery County. Uh, let, let me let me say this last yeah. thing, because I don't want to give them a misperception. I also think. And having had to manage a TV station through it, it's been the toughest and most fluid situation you could imagine. So even though I think some of these leaders haven't done the best job in retrospect, I do believe they were probably doing the best job they thought they were. You know, it yeah, was very it's a tough, fluid. So yeah. I, by no means am I saying this was easy or, you know, it's easy to second guess. But at the same time, where we're at now, I go back to Montgomery County, total lack of transparency and and leadership. Well, and like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, we're in trouble. There, of course, government's already talking about a second stimulus package coming out for people. I mean, we are in trouble with 30 plus million unemployed. It's going to be 40 million. It's going to be 40 million unemployed. I mean, you know, a lot of big businesses are hanging in there, but. How how much longer? You know, if if people are not back to work, if these other small businesses are not fired up, if we're a consumer society, if people aren't going to consume, you know, at what point does this end up impacting yeah, companies I, I like think, Apple? You know, big. Yeah, I, I, you know, with I the think, exception of, I think the apples of the world from a you know, there's the Amazons and others. They're, they're going to be fine, right? You can buy their products online. Actually, their products make your life easier in situations yeah. like this. Certainly Amazon is off the charts. Uh, you know, I feel bad for certainly for restaurants because I, I believe even if you open up the restaurants, are you going to pack? You know, I look at old video that or old pictures of, you know, at bars and, you know, where you were out drinking and, and eating and having fun. I, I'm not sure you'll ever see that again until there's a vaccine. Well, I just don't, you keep hearing I don't think you're, I don't think you're going to belly up to a bar and have a packed Mm-mm. No. So, I, and I think I, we're. I think, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think we're, you know, you say all that. And I think that to me, after going through this now two and a half months and seeing where we are, I don't think we are going to have that until probably summer 2021. 
I mean, I don't think we're going to have a full return for probably another year because how can they do it? How can you have 200 people in a bar again? Unless you have a vaccine, and even then, you know, to mass produce it, to have people get it, uh, listen, the restaurant industry is, and the retail industry is already hard to begin with. Yeah. You know, how many restaurants open and close, right? And and we're in a very busy, densely populated area. Imagine being, you know, some of these rural restaurants and and so forth. You know, at the same time, I don't, the protest, the people with the guns saying we need to open, that's ridiculous. You know, I'm all for protesting, but it needs to be, in my opinion, A, nonviolent and, and B, done the right way. But I do, it's interesting when you're like on Twitter, which is just a dangerous place to be, right? Oh, it's so true. You know, the people who say stay at home, keep people safe, don't kill my grandma. They have every right to say that. But the people who say, also say, hey, we've been locked down for eight weeks. It was supposed to just flatten the curve. Hospitals are in good shape. Time to reopen. My business is going to die. Yeah. They shouldn't be looked at differently, right? Like, I think I think you could have either opinion, and it, it's a seen opinion on both sides. But the, the, the vitriol against the people who say, let's open. Oh, you're going to kill your grandmother. You don't care about humanity. That's ridiculous. Right. That's not fair. No, I agree with that. I agree with I that. 40 million people unemployed. A job market that doesn't return for 18 months will be utterly catastrophic and maybe as deadly as the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, Once once contagious and once not, I get it. But don't don't underestimate the, the, the physical, mental, social impact of that amount of people out of work, not able to afford to live, food, colleges. And I'm not being dramatic here, right? You know, this country tends to be a, you know, from a social class standpoint, significantly divided pre COVID. Now look at it. It's, yeah. it's, it's devastating, especially from a service worker standpoint, you know, working on tips and I mean, just devastation. Well, right? and I, I think, you know, there are some people middle class that are probably teetering on the edge that for two months could get by on credit cards, could could make it work. You know, it, it probably in Montgomery County. I mean, I have to say, I think you retweeted the image of people waiting for food in Montgomery County, wow. food lines and food donation in one of the wealthiest counties in America. I mean, that was a shocking line to see. So I think you have a lot of people who on the outside, we would perceive as having money, but probably their inner finances are teetering, whether it's college loan debt, they got a mortgage. I mean, how long can those individuals, you know, hang in there if they're not working for government, if they're not working for an industry where they know they're going to get a paycheck? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think the long term impact of this pandemic. Yeah. I mean, certainly from the the, the life loss to the 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 mental ang- ang- angst to the social uh, socioeconomic impact is just going to be felt for years and years. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's been, it's been terrible on so many fronts. 
but you have to kind of try to come out of it, right? You just have to try to move forward somehow, some way. And, um, and listen, if it spikes up again, then you, you, you reef, you, 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 you readjust. Do I mean, you, do you think, cause a lot of people are saying that like some businesses are agreeing with some of the MoCo council members in the sense of, Oh, look, if we have a second wave, if we re, if we kind of reopen and we let people, you know, manage their own stores and some people comply, some people don't, and we have a second wave, it's going to be even more devastating. Do you agree with that? Or you think gonna, but if you're going to have a second wave, you're going to have a second wave, right? Staying, staying in lockdown for two more weeks, isn't going to change that, right? You, if you're going to have a second wave in October, November, December, or if it's going to spike, it's going to spike. You're not going to prevent that by keeping people at home. First of all, it's a kind of a fake stay at home, right? Everyone's exercising. Everyone's driving. Everyone's going to get takeout. Everyone's going to grocery stores, Lowe's hardware. Oh, yeah, uh, Lowe's Walmart, is packed. Target. Like, stop with this. It's not been a lockdown. Like, if this was a true lockdown, like they did in China, and you said, okay, look at these numbers. One more week. We'll have a 25% reduction and, you know, we'll be in really good shape because only at that point, only X percent of the population could potentially have it. Okay. But we never really did a true lockdown. Right. So stop at the two more week stuff, right? Allowing, allowing a barbershop to open up and cut somebody's hair with a mask. How is that going to change the, 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 the landscape of what we've tried to do over the last eight weeks? It's not. It's just, it's foolishness. It's foolishness at this point. Like, uh, yeah, let, it, pe- let people self-mitigate. People are creative. You know, I was saying to myself, like, my beard, I need, I need my beard trim, right? So if barbershops open up, I'm not even sure they're going to let me get my beard trim because I'm going to have to wear a mask. They can't cut my beard through a mask last time I checked. Plus, do you want somebody's face that close to you, like, cutting your beard? No, so my sense is my beard's never going to get cut. <laughs> okay, well, it's just going to look like Z- that for the next, like, eight months. Yeah. It's easy, just- <laughs> easy top. Here we come. <laughs> just letting it grow out. All right, maybe one more quick um, thought on this. I saw Evan, Evan yeah. Lambert tweet this, and then we'll move on to there's a lot of Trump news, Nancy Pelosi, yeah. also Last Dance documentary we got to talk about. So uh, Evan Lambert was saying that Fairfax County – Virginia, of course, is toying with the idea of 12 kids in a classroom in the fall if they go back at all. What are your thoughts? You think that because I'm hearing from teachers that they're really now working on essentially a contingency plan. You think we're going back to school in our area in the fall? Do you think 12 kids in the classroom would work? What do you think? I think the one this is going to sound. Again, I. I think the one thing that's been overblown is locking down the schools or shutting down the schools. I okay. I think kids can go back to school in the fall. However, I think some of the, what I believe will be draconian measures to keep them separated and, 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 you know, whether it's in lunch, in the classroom, no gym classes, no, no intramurals. I'd rather them just stay home at that point. Like to me, you know, kids passing it to parents, there's been, you know, everything I've read said it's, it's almost nil kids passing it to kids. It's, it's, it's virtually non-existent. Now, granted, I mean, here's what cracks me up. 
again, I shouldn't say cracks me up. That's, that's not right. No school. Yet, behind my house here in Montgomery County, there's 30 kids playing, you know, kickball. Together? Ten, yeah, 10 kids playing kickball in the alley, riding bikes together, throwing balls. Okay, guys. Uh... <laughs> so, like, I, I, to me, kids have to be in school. Okay, yes, you have to keep your kids safe, but kids have to be in school. And the, 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 the distance learning is minimum, minimal at best. Right. Right, in terms of its positive impact. So I think kids go back to school. I'm not sure they have to be full six. I think they wash their hands. They get their temperatures taken when they walk in. And then, yeah, maybe take some seats out. But th- those pictures I saw with Evan Lambert's story, that's not going to work. First of all, there's not enough teachers. There's not enough classrooms. I mean, what are you going to have alternating days? Yeah, I, I don't know. know how. I, I, and I guess, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that would work. Um, okay, let's let's move on because we have a lot of national news. So how did you feel about Trump making the announcement? Um, the press conference was sadly really funny. Uh, hydrochloroquine, he is taking it, has been taking it. Do we think he actually has COVID-19? I mean, when he made that whole thing, it was just like, oh, he's like, oh, you know, why wouldn't I take it? What could it hurt? You know, it's like, what? I mean... As an entertainer, he's priceless. But anyhow, as a president, not so much. What do you? What's your take on that? And then, of course, you know he's in a war of the words with Nancy Pelosi. She's called him obese. Um, um so I, I have no idea. He's, if he says he's taking it, maybe he is. You uh, actually think maybe he's not? He's just saying that. No, I. I who knows? I, I know he's hard like, to what, believe. It's hard to know. Like, what's the point? You know. Uh, I think the point is he, he maybe has COVID, but I think he knows how devastating. I don't think he has it because I do think, that, listen, if someone at his age, if they had COVID, I don't think they'd be able to hide the symptoms. He's been out there still every day. Yeah, that's true. Not Tra- coughing. Traveling to, traveling to Arizona, traveling to, uh, I think he went to Wisconsin or, or Michigan yesterday or Ford or is going today. Um, he's talked to the reporters every day he would have he'd have some symptoms that are visible so i don't think he has COVID. i don't know why he would take it other than you know what i've read about it was is that it hasn't been that effective and my dad took it by the way but he i think what it turned out with him was he was already already had uh 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 Bilateral pneumonia, he already, I think, was in bad shape okay. when he started taking it, and it just didn't work. What I've read is it does help in advance of getting. It can mitigate symptoms and, and, and minimize symptoms if you have it in advance, even though, you know, again, it hasn't been fully tested. and But it, it it's a real drug. I mean, if you have lupus, or I think it's lupus, right? Is it uh, or is it or, malaria? Is it still that malaria drug? Well, no, that's a drug, but I think lupus patients take it and okay. rheumat- RA patients, I believe, take okay. it. Uh, I'm not sure on the lupus, but certainly I think RA patients have have taken it. So, I mean, it's not a drug you can't. It's not just you know, off the shelf. Sure. The question is, does it help COVID? So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, you think the pettiness is just, um, you know, war of the words? I mean, 
again, morbidly obese, morbidly obese. And she said, you know, she was shocked that he was that offended and sensitive about it because he's always calling, of course, women like was he was he that shocked and offensive about it? Offended by it? Um, I I didn't see him being totally offended by it. I think he just listen, he he makes fun of everyone. Yeah. And has nicknames for everyone. So I wasn't offended by her calling him that. I mean, I know. No, I just think that, you know, it's disappointing. I, mean, listen, I, I don't think the rhetoric on it's, it's listen, it's a poor it's a poor example on both parts for the country. I but, agree. It's like they both need to shut up and work towards but, like but people were trying to kill Pelosi. I'm like, you know, he calls people all kinds of names and vice versa. So. Okay, here we are. This is what <laughs> this is what we've become. It's just frustrating, like you said. We're going through this forty and then million you have people. Poor, poor Joe Biden, who you don't even hear from. Uh, I mean, barely. I, although he did an interview yesterday, where you know he he called Trump xenophobic about you know him originally trying to shut down China, and then you know you know I, I this election is going to be. It's, well, obviously, it's, it's already completely different than we've ever seen because of, of COVID. I don't, I'm not sure people are going to care about issues because I think it's it's going to be COVID, COVID, COVID. Oh, absolutely. In the economy. Certainly, certainly Trump's campaign is going to try to make it about issues and and move it off of, of the COVID response. Uh, I, you know, I think Biden is going to just keep hitting on that front. You know, listen, if Trump can't do rallies and, you know, the death total goes up to 110, 120,000, certainly if there's a second wave and or if, um, you know, the economy just looks terrible in the fall. Right. There's no way he wins. There's just no way. I mean, right now I would predict – those states that Trump won by one and a half to two to three percent, the Pennsylvanias, the Wisconsin, the Michigans, the Arizonas, the Floridas, I would say right now he loses all of them, except for maybe Even Florida. Yeah, I think right now if the election was held today, Biden wins. Really? I think, Biden will, I think today, if the election was held today, Biden wins by a landslide. Really? God, that's fascinating. Okay. Okay. No, I think all those states will be very close. I think there'll be 1% to Biden or 2% to Biden. I, he's not going to win Florida by 5%, but it's all it takes, right? I mean, Trump won four key states by a combined, I think it was 112,000 votes. Yeah. Yeah, true. So right. I, you know, right now, if I was to guess or predict, I would say that percentage just flips in those states, and it looks like an electoral landslide for Biden instead of what Trump's. You know, it looked like a landslide for Trump over Hillary, even though the popular vote went to Hillary. But from an electoral college standpoint, it it, it was kind of a blowout. Right. He ran the table in the Rust Belt, Florida, Arizona, North Carolina. I mean, he won all those states that he had to win. Um, that's certainly not going to happen with Biden. Biden will mm. win Pennsylvania. I think Biden wins Michigan. And if they win Florida, game over, right? God, I, I just don't know if he wins Florida. Michigan, yeah, I could see that. But Florida, I don't know, you know. Um, I, I want to ask Trump, some... uh, Let me just yeah. real quick on the election. Trump needed a controversial opponent. He needed a Bernie Sanders. So 
tied to socialism. He needed um, he needed someone he could pin specific rhetoric to or policy to that. You know, the problem right now is like you're tr- for Biden to attack Biden, you got to get in the weeds, Hunter Biden and this policy. And he said this 20 years ago and no one cares. And you see not, yeah. this Obama gay things. Right. Listen, it's, it's a nothing. Joke, right? Yeah. Obama Berg came out already and said Obama and Biden is they're not going to be criminally charged. Listen, I think what they did to Flynn was wrong. I do think that. I agree with the DOJ saying drop the charges, even though he pled guilty. But you're not going to pin that on Obama and Biden. So to me, this country is not in a place where you want to get into the weeds. You're going to be able to get into the weeds on policy. He needed to be able to say Bernie Sanders socialist, Elizabeth Warren socialist. They're going to take your health care. They're going to take your everything unions they're going to take they're going to take your money and give it to somebody else like big yeah bold he's not going to have that with biden biden's seen at the end of the day biden's seen as a nice guy he knows a lot of people my sense is he'll hire competent people around him he i think what stacy abrams is doing and whoever is behind her pr campaign i i think he needs to avoid a Sarah Palin moment. Joe DiCipio said that last yes, week. Yes, yes. And listen, Sarah Palin is, I mean, uh, Stacey Abrams' lawyer was minor, um, majority leader or minority leader in the House in Georgia. Uh, very accomplished. Ran for governor but lost. I think she could be the Sarah Palin for Biden. And I don't mean comparing from an intellectual standpoint or anything like that, I'm just saying there's something I think, I don't think she's been fully vetted. And even though they're probably, they're certainly vetting her for the VP, but. Seems like maybe not ready. You know, it was kind of like Pete Buttigieg, who we all liked a lot, but it was just like, there just wasn't enough big stage experience yet. You know, what does she run? I mean, you, you ha- see, the problem is you'll have Joe Biden, who's never run anything, never created a job in his life, right? Yeah. And Stacey Abrams, who's basically never done much, I mean, other than politics. And, and, and I mean, she was a lawyer and stuff. But like, to me, you need a governor. Like, I would yep. go with Whitmer from Michigan. Yep. I would go, I would go with Whitmer from Whitmer. For me, I'd go with, or at least Klobuchar in the Senate. You know, you you know she's been. Yeah, in- I don't know if you want two senators. I you know, keep in mind we went. I think Barack Obama was the first senator elected. I think since JFK. Okay. Now I'm sure people will correct me on my history. <laughs> yeah, right. If we're wrong, we'll know it. But anyway, but regardless, yeah. But senators don't usually win the presidency, or it's rare. Governors win. I'd go Whitmer and make sure you vet the, you, the bejesus out of her uh, or somebody who's run multiple statewide campaigns like, like Kamala Harris. She's won attorney general. She's won uh, uh, Senate in California, big state. Uh, she, she's run for president. She's been fully vetted. 
you know, to me, whatever you're going to find out about her and her past has been out there. Probably we know. Yeah. Stacy would, to me, you get everything you want with Stacey Abrams, but in a better, better version with Kamala Harris. Accomplished, smart. I mean, again, I'm not saying I agree on a policy level, but she's won statewide elections, attorney general. She can be tough on crime. To me, you get a lot with her versus Stacey. Like, what do you get with Stacey Abrams? She won't even carry her own state. So what are you getting? He's already popular with, 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 with the black voters. He needs somebody who... That's a great question. I mean, that's a great... He needs somebody who's know... president ready. Right. Who's, who, who, can, who people can see stepping in to become president of the United States on day one. I truly believe that in this case based on where he's at. And I think that's uh, Klobuchar, Whitmer, and uh, although Whitmer's not as well known, and, and Kamala Harris, for sure. Well, or Cuomo. I know, listen, I know I he know. said already he's going to pick, a, but I'm telling you, he picks Cuomo, game over. Game but, over. I, like, Election he, over, game over. You said Win. it, though. I mean, he backed himself into a corner. I, yeah, look. and again, I try, you, Sarah, you know, in a long time, uh, pro women, I, I I think it's time for a female to be on the top of the ticket and win. Uh, again, the right person, you know, for me that would be Nikki Haley, but <laughs> that that'd be my choice right now. Okay, but no, he backed. But she is well respected. I I get he I get he thought. Again, that was pre-COVID. Knowing what you know now, if he picked Cuomo. And assuming Cuomo would accept to be the VP of Biden, Sarah, does that ticket lose? I, no, I think I think like regardless, like you said, you know whether it's Cuomo's good looking, he's got a great Instagram, his brother, blah blah blah. I think at the end of the day, the perception is reality, and he's really well perceived. I think, sadly, I think you're right, but I mean, I think Biden's campaign—they've got themselves in a pickle because they they said, he "Oh, we're committed." Here's my point. He didn't need to come out and say that when he did. He was already gone. He was the de facto nominee. And, and honestly, it showed that, you know, premature decisions are dangerous. Right. There was no reason he needed to come out and do that then. It didn't benefit him. Yeah. He wasn't in a tight primary race when he said it. He, he already was putting Sanders away when he came out with that. It wasn't early. It was it was later in the game. He didn't need to do it. I mean, maybe in hindsight, I, who knows? I'm totally speculating here, but I'm wondering if they did that because they knew like Tara Reid might be an issue, so they were trying to combat maybe any of that press with, hey, you know, we're 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 supporting yeah, women. Maybe. That's we're a good committed. point. I mean, possibly I that. I mean, listen, that, that that's a fair point. But that that could possibly. Um. All right. We we've talked right. a lot of politics, a lot of local stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, you and I um have been watching Last Dance, like so yes. many other people on ESPN. This uh, this ten part series on Michael Jordan, his career. So it wrapped up this past weekend. What are your thoughts? Because this documentary is getting criticism that we still don't really know who Michael was. That it was sort of a fluff piece. Even Horace Grant, his former uh. Chicago Bulls player with him uh, said all the negative stuff about MJ was really taken out. What did you think of this docu-series overall? I thought it was great. I, I mean, I'm sure there was things taken out. For sure. You know, I'm sure he did things and said things that were, were uh, more uh, 
I don't want to say damaging because I think if it was damaging, we would have probably heard it in the past, but that would have maybe put him in a different light than it did. But I didn't come, a, I didn't come away with that after the 10 episodes thinking MJ's like, I basically came away with it. My takeaway was he was an absolute ruthless competitor. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And he would do anything and everything except cheat to win. Cause I don't think he would do that. That's not, I don't think that was his character. I think that there was enough in there where you could see how he could be a, a you know, a big D at times, very difficult to people, uh, could dismiss people. But if you helped him win, that's all that mattered. Right. That's all that mattered. And, um, so I, I didn't come across, I didn't, I don't come across thinking he's some like mother Teresa by any means. No, no, I didn't. And think I'm so. sure there was a lot more that, you know, Listen, well, they made Horace Grant look bad, like he was the leaker and a few other things. But yep. as as a documentary goes, and look, listen, it wouldn't have been made if Jordan didn't sign off on it. So it it clearly wasn't going to be super negative against him. Right, right. Uh, I'm sure he had a lot to I say. Think, but I think it set the right tone for who he was. I think they allowed people to be candid. I liked how they interviewed people and then showed it to Michael. Yeah, that was revelation. Oh, well, p- people, they were getting uh, a lot of credit for that. People thought so that was- anyway, I, I, I thought it was very well done. I know it really was. It was it was very fascinating and lots of stuff I didn't remember or had forgot. I mean, honestly, I totally forgot that his father was murdered. I and yeah. I didn't realize Steve and, Kerr's and not father only murdered missing for mi- weeks. Right? I, you know, I mean, I, I yeah, I never even remembered that story. I'll so. tell you what I look. I I knew I knew Steve Kerr's dad. That story's died, wild too. Died, but I didn't know the full story. Right. Right. And now you could also look, you know, because Steve Kerr is very vocal, very anti-administration, very, um, very politically outspoken. And now it kind of makes sense why, because his dad was was that and uh, an academic and and certainly politically uh, involved. Uh, yeah, so it kind of tied yeah. that together for me. And, and those are interesting sidebar stories that were great as part of it. Oh, I thought it made it. I thought the documentary was so, so good. And, you know, there's a debate online of who should be the next big story to be documented because obviously OJ, you know, OJ was one prior. Uh, but they did kind of that show, the movie. I'm sick of OJ. I, I'd be fascinated. So something similar. I was thinking about this because you and I were prepping for the show. I was thinking the Derek Jeter run with the Yankees when you know they won all those world series uh with with brian cashman as the gm and the players that came came uh, came and went and the alex rodriguez's of the world and the roger clemens i mean oh that's a good one that, if they were filming then that would have been very fast i think that would have been a great it would be a great great document and then the other one i would say is the dynasty of the patriots right so that'd Bill be a Belichick good one too Tom Beatty, yeah. Although, would you, yeah, would I don't you know how excited Tom truth, Brady would be. Yeah, would you ever get the truth out of those guys? Do you think you'd ever really get – I mean, you talk about not knowing someone. I mean, do you really know Bill Belichick? I mean, there's a very 
controlled image. No, I'm I don't... just saying, like, again, I don't know if it would be good or not. I'm just saying th- those two would examples be... for me would be um, I'd be fascinated with. I think those the, would be so good. And I'll, I'll throw two more out real quick for the sports fans that listen to us. I would the, – the, 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 and I'm a Raiders fan, so the Raiders in the heyday when – they were just insane with John Madden as the coach and, and that group. And then I'd be really interested in the Buffalo Bills when they went to four consecutive Super Bowls and lost all four. Mm. I think that would be really fascinating how their psyche was year after year with, with some of the great Hall of Fame players that they had. So I, I kind of from a sports standpoint, those would be my my four. God, those are really good. All right. I like it. I like it. Those are really, really good. I guess we're getting um, coming up. We're getting a Lance Armstrong, uh, a bigger in-depth with Lance, who says that he actually was doping uh, years like prior to even. Don't care. Cheater. (laughs) Way over. He He now is saying. First of all, all, I hate to say it's cycling. No one cares. Two. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He he, he was the most famous cycler of all time. He 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 transcended the sport to become. Lance with his clothing line and other things. But at the end of the day, the sport has so many cheaters in it. Historically, it's all been cheating. To me, they let them dope and let's see who's the best doper and rider. Like, who cares? <laughs> let them do- okay, I actually found the most interesting part of his uh, story okay. is he raised hundreds of millions of dollars for cancer. Now, I mean, yeah, he legit had cancer. Fantastic. But, but now he's even saying he thinks his cancer might have been caused from doping. I'm like, you duped Listen, people? I- how, the, how do you do that, though? Aren't you fascinated no, no. Like, that people can let, lie? Let me be clear. I don't care he doped. He, I care that, you know, he raised, the, he created the, you know, oh, I mean, with the bracelets. And, yes, and, and yes. Hundreds of millions of dollars for cancer, which is fantastic. So to me, great guy. I don't care he doped. They all doped. But based like, on a lie. And I mean, my God, the, the U.S. Postal like Service. They were all doping, though. So like, just make it legal. If everyone's doing it, who cares? He was the best, whether he doped or not. You're the best Trust at me. a blood transfusion. He, I've, he you know. wasn't racing against anyone at that level that wasn't doping. He was just A, better at it, and B, he would have probably won without doping, assuming everyone else wasn't doping. He was the best doper and the best rider. He got Let's, like $100 million out of the U.S. Postal Service, which is now bankrupt practically. I mean, Well, that was kind of ridiculous. I mean, Why is the Postal Service sponsoring? I'm cycling? trying to think of other good, like, women's stories, too. Like, I'm trying to think of other female athletes. I mean, so much has been done with Billie Jean King, so we know, like, so much about her. I'm trying to think I of other— think the, the Serena sisters growing up would be interesting. That'd be a I good mean, one. Not the, the Williams sisters, I should say. Serena and Venus would be very interesting. Yep. I would think, though, the, maybe the international women's soccer team that won back-to-back World Cups. Uh, that could be good. I know. I'm trying to think yeah. of other good women's I mean, there, there, there's, there's a few. I mean, listen, I think the international soccer one would be interesting. I, yeah, there's so many good ones. I also am oddly fascinated with Allen Iverson, kind of the rise and fall of his career. But I'm not yeah. sure if there's enough there to make yeah, it. Yeah, there's not one. enough there. I think it has to be team. I mean, yes, yeah. this was about MJ, but it was more about the last season, the team, the history of MJ. Um uh, so. Oh my God! Right, yeah. I gotta, I gotta okay. jump. Bye. Uh, great Sarah, podcast. Great we'll see you guys next week. This is the 101th episode of the Polini Perspective. All right, Patrick. All right. Next Bye, week. Sarah. See ya. Bye.